DiscerningHearts.com presents Inside the Pages, insights from today's most compelling authors. I'm your host, Chris McGregor, and I'm delighted to be joined by Father Vincent Lampert. Father Lampert is an ordained priest for the Archdiocese of Indianapolis. He currently serves as a pastor of St. Michael and St. Peter Parishes in Brookville, Indiana. In 2005, he was appointed the exorcist for the Archdiocese of Indianapolis. He has received his training in Rome and is a member of the International Association of Exorcists. With Father Vincent Lampert, we go inside the pages of Exorcism, the Battle Against Satan and His Demons, published by Emmaus Road. Father Lampert, thank you so much for joining me. Yes, it's a pleasure to be with you, Chris. It is an extraordinary book that you've been able to give us all, Exorcism, the Battle Against Satan and His Demons. And the reason I say it's so extraordinary is that, for many, a very challenging topic, to say the least, and yet you give us such a glimpse of the power of God and how you do not have to be afraid, do you? Absolutely not. And that was really the main purpose of my book is not to focus on the fear that the devil tries to instill in people, but the freedom that God wants all of his children to have. So that was really the approach I wanted to take. Well, it certainly came across. Part of the battle that we have is we do have to realize the devil is real. And that has been kind of a wishy-washy stance by many, even in the Catholic Church, say for a couple generations now, hasn't it? It has. I think there's a lot of people that believe that belief in the devil and demons is a throwback, you know, to the time of Christ or ages to a time when perhaps mental health issues weren't well understood. But the church has always consistently spoken of that the fact that evil is personified in what we call the devil and his demons. Of course, we can always go back to scripture, can't we? It was very clear in the scriptures that This accuser, an enemy of man, this one who was brought forward very strongly by our Lord himself, that we can take it literally as gospel, can't we, that he does exist. He does, and Jesus makes a very clear distinction when he sends his disciples out. He gives them the authority to heal illness, but he also gives them the authority to cast out demons. So Jesus makes a clear distinction between the two And I believe that we still need to do that today. First, in the book, I thought it was really wonderful that you gave us a sense of how you were called to this particular ministry in the church. And it's not necessarily when you go out looking for, is it? It is not. When a priest is ordained, he promises obedience to his bishop and his successors. And in 2005, the exorcist here in the Archdiocese of Indianapolis passed away. And so we all, as priests, knew the bishop was looking for a replacement, and somehow he uh, decided upon me. Probably found the most humble of souls, because uh, humility is a key point, isn't it? If you're going to be battling the devil, to model yourself on Our Lady's beautiful grace of humility. And that's what my bishop told me. He said he wanted a priest that believed in the reality of evil, but not one who would believe that everyone who came to me was up against the forces of evil. So he wanted a priest he thought had a good balance, but also one that believed in the reality of evil. And so, uh, yeah, I've been doing this now for the past 15 years, and it's been a ministry, I think, that's allowed me to um, solidify 
really my vocation as a priest. And that's important in today's church where fewer and fewer, fewer priests, maybe we feel we're, like we're pulled in so many directions that priesthood has become more of an occupation rather than a vocation. But this ministry, I think, has helped me to put priesthood back in the proper I think it's a beautiful ministry that I think we sometimes don't appreciate. I remember saying once to an exorcist that I know that, oh, you're like a neurosurgeon. You're like the neurosurgeon of priests. And he said, oh, no, no, no. We're more like the gut doctors. We have to deal with all the stuff in the inside and the worst parts of it. That truly is the case, isn't it? It is. You know, I, I currently get about 1,800 calls or emails a year. Some exorcists are publicly known, such as myself. Some choose to remain anonymous. And those of us whose names are out in the, uh, in the public tend to get a higher volume of callers from people who believe they're up against the forces of evil and are seeking the help of the church. Because this is a ministry of charity, the church does want to try to help those who reach out. I found so helpful in the book is that as you talked about the reality, who is the devil and the extraordinary activity of the devil, you help us give perspective that the activity of the enemy is primarily out of temptation. That's one of the reasons why the Lord gave us such a powerful prayer is lead us not into temptation because that's his primary tool, isn't it? It is. I think it's easy for people to focus on the extraordinary activity of the devil. You know, there's four types the church talks of, infestation, presence of evil in a location or with an object. There can be vexation, physical attacks, obsession, mental attacks, possession, whereby the devil or some other demon takes control of the person's body, treating as if it as if it were its own. There's a lot of attention that's focused on that, but it's the ordinary activity of the devil that most of us have to be concerned about. And that's where, as you say, the devil tries to trip us up in our daily living just by the temptations that he sends our way. And that's why it's so important for us normally to live a life of Christian virtue, isn't it? And to stay so close to the sacraments and that great sacrament of confession. I mean, that's true, because... One doesn't have to do anything extraordinary to keep the devil at bay. It's the very ordinary aspects of our Catholic faith, going to Mass, praying, celebrating the sacraments, you know, going to confession. Even Father Gabriel Amorth, the former chief exorcist in Rome, said that a good confession is better than an exorcism because, again, it's a sacrament of the Church. You know, we go back to the old Baltimore Catechism days, you know, a sacrament, an outward sign instituted by Christ to give grace. So the sacraments are very powerful, and these are the things that we should turn to whenever we feel like we're up against the forces of evil. And for those few people that may find themselves dealing with the extraordinary activity of the devil, that's where the ministry of an exorcist would be called into play. Those are the realities that, for many of us, is so frightening and yet here we do have a church that has given authority. The Father has given through the Son, down to the bishops, into the priests, the authority to be able to vanquish even these manifestations. They are, and you know, demons are very legalistic, so they recognize the authority that Christ has given to the church. So yes, we should always turn to the church and the authority has been given to by Christ to help us overcome evil, whether that's extraordinary or ordinary, 
the church has the tools to help people overcome the devil in their life. Yeah, that sense of authority is paramount, isn't it? That especially for the Catholic, for the Christian in particular, realizing that it is Christ who does the vanquishing. That's why the gift of humility in the priest, especially the exorcist, is so important, isn't it? It is, because, you know, in an exorcism, you know, Jesus is not a bystander. He's, just, he's not just standing off on the side. Jesus is the main actor in an exorcism. But then he can act through his church, through his ministers, through the priest, to bring liberation to those who are dealing with the demonic. And one should never, ever believe that somehow God and the devil are on the same playing field. You know, the devil is still a creature, you know, superior intellectually to humans, but still a creature. And we should never put a creature on the same level as God the Creator. You know, that's the great mystery, isn't it? The Father in heaven has power over all things, and he will allow this to happen, doesn't he? In some cases, he's allowed this particular event to occur not to harm us. There's something very important for us to understand about that, isn't there? It is that God uh, allows these things to happen always to advance his kingdom. You know, the devil, when he is attacking someone, you know, in his own twisted sense, believes that he's advancing his own kingdom. But in reality, he's advancing the kingdom of God. I mean, you even think of the crucifixion, the moment that Jesus is dying on the cross, the devil believes it's the moment of his victory, but the moment of his perceived victory becomes the moment of his defeat. And then he realized that everything that he was doing to bring us to the moment of the crucifixion was playing into God's hands. So he thought that he had the upper hand, but in reality, as we just said, God is always in control of every situation in his creation. So then again, where do we turn? We turn to the church that he established, Mother Church, really. And the great gifts that we've been given to be able to vanquish these different occurrences come to us through the church, not only in your ministry of exorcism, but also, again, through the sacraments, through sacramentals, through blessings, through so many different things. And yet, are we aware of that great toolbox of gifts? I don't mean to refer to it so elementary, but I mean, it really is a banquet of things that this doesn't have to destroy us. No, and I think, you know, the church has a great treasure trove of things that we can turn to to help us overcome any type of demonic activity in our lives. And people should always, if they believe they're up dealing with evil, up against the forces of evil, the first line of defense should to be to go and talk to your parish priest. You know, if you're sick, you're going to go talk to your family doctor. You're not going to call a specialist right away. You talk to your family doctor, and they're going to prescribe things. So the priest is going to talk about the importance of confession, you know, going receiving the Eucharist, maybe somebody needs the anointing of the sick. Again, turning to the sacraments of the church is where we should begin. You know, other things that are important, you know, is one going to Mass? Are they uh, praying? You know, I like to remind people that our Blessed Mother is a powerful ally for anyone who believes they're up against the forces of evil. So praying the rosary, Marian devotions, those are very powerful things to do. Go to church, do a holy hour, pray in front of the Blessed Sacrament, do a litany, do a novena. Again, there's such a great treasure within the life of the church that if we were just turned to these things, we would realize that we already have the tools that we need 
to overcome the ordinary activity of the devil. And again, there are a few people that are up against really strong forces of evil in the extraordinary form that would need the services of an exorcist. When you bring out in the book that the first example, as it were, of demonic activity, and that's infestations, that is something I don't even think the average person is aware that we open the door oftentimes in our homes or in certain places just by the things we may watch or an activity that we've participated or a family member or something prior. But essentially, there's been an invitation, a door has been opened for something to come in and cause this type of infestation. Exactly. And that's what an exorcist always tries to do is, what was the entry point? So if one is dealing with the demonic, what entry point brought that in? And as you point out, we live in an age where things associated with evil, the devil, are considered to be entertaining. It's big entertainment. You know, we're coming up on Halloween, which is the second biggest holiday on the entire calendar. So if we're going to glamorize evil, we have to be very cautious of the fact that we may think that it's entertainment, but we may be opening up a doorway to the demonic into our lives. And just because we think it's entertaining doesn't mean the devil won't take advantage of that situation to try to enter and get a foothold into our lives. We'll return to Inside the Pages in just a moment. Did you know that Discerning Hearts has a free app in which you can find all your favorite Discerning Hearts programming? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Deacon James Keating, Mike Aquilina, Dr. Matthew Bunsen, and so many more are found on the Discerning Hearts free app. Did you also know that you can stream Discerning Hearts programming on numerous streaming platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and so many more. And did you know that Discerning Hearts also has the YouTube page? Be sure to check out all these different places where you can find Discerning Hearts. From a letter from St. Paul to the Ephesians, chapter 6. Be strengthened in the Lord in the might of his power. Put on the armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For our wrestling is not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities and the powers, against the world rulers of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness on high. Therefore, take up the armor of God so that you may be able to resist the evil every day and stand in all things perfect. Stand, therefore having girded your loins with truth, and having put on the breastplate of justice, and having your feet shod with the readiness of the gospel of peace, in all things taking up the shield of faith, with which you may be able to quench all fiery darts of the most wicked one. And take for yourself the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit that is the Word of God. With all prayer and supplication, pray at all times in the Spirit, and be vigilant in all perseverance and supplication for all the saints.
Hello, my name is Deacon Omar Gutierrez, and I want to ask you to support Discerning Hearts in a special way. We, Chris McGregor, the board, and I all know that not everyone listening can help financially. We know we have listeners from all parts of the world, and we have made a commitment since the beginning to make the truths shared through Discerning Hearts totally free. So while you may not be able to contribute financially, what you can do is certainly pray, but also give us positive reviews on whatever platform you use to listen to us. If it's iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Spotify, however it is that you get these podcasts, or if you're on YouTube and you like our videos, please give us a good rating and write a review. The more good ratings and reviews we get, the higher our profile, and the more listeners will discover us, listeners who may have the means to contribute in the future. Please consider rating us and writing a positive review today. We now return to Inside the Pages. The number of Catholic families I know, you know, I'm not trying to point fingers, but the reality is you can have someone come in and bless your home. You can very much in all your heart believe you've done a good thing, and yet you'll turn on the television, someone in your home, and you may bring in images and different type of activities, just even through that particular activity of the television or games that will be played or books that might be read. You have to be very careful, don't you? We do, because, you know, literature today that has to do with evil or magic and spells and all of that, again, that can be a, a way that we open the door. I like to remind people that all magic is inherently evil. And I'm not talking about an illusionist, you know, somebody that makes a, a does a card trick, for example. You know, that's an illusionist, but evil is inherent in all magic that people practice. And I think it's important for Catholics to simply know their faith. And I think we live in an age where there may be a disconnect between the church and what people really understand about what the church teaches. You know, we may be picking up certain literature about evil, but how many of us pick up the Bible? How many of us pick up the catechism of the Catholic church? Again, we have to make sure that we're educating ourselves so that we're living lives that are pleasing to God. As you mentioned, too, another area that is frightening, we talk about possession, but obsession and oppression are very real. And that can be very crushing to a soul, but yet they may not even realize that's what it is, that activity of the invisible upon the soul. Exactly. And that's why, again, it's so important for people to know their faith and and to live it out. And I think that's really the key ingredient. You know, for an exorcist, we want to help people reconnect with their faith because it's not a matter of, of casting evil out. One has to invite God in. So one has to have that desire. Because as you point out, there are people that do experience physical attacks from demons. There are those who experience mental attacks. And I think any exorcist will tell you that Demonic obsession is one of the most difficult ones to try to assess. And that's where people are dealing with mental attacks, because then you're trying to sort out what's demonic, what may be of a mental health issue. So things can get very, very complicated in regards to those types of situations. Yeah, I think you do a a beautiful job in the book helping break that open for folks you probably have heard it over and over again over the years. You don't necessarily arrive in a helicopter at the end of the street. 
on a rainy night, you know, to come. I mean, you, you really do actually have a team. You have a very trained team, discerned team to be able to help you to help the soul. Yes, because no exorcist should ever operate alone. You always want to operate with other people providing support and who can also be kind of the first line defense. You know, one of the members of my team, the lady, she's the one that is, she feels all the calls and emails that I get. Because again, there's no way that I would be able to take all those on and try to deal with that. Because just about every exorcist that I know, in addition to doing this ministry, is also a parish priest. So it's another hat that we wear in doing exorcism ministry, but we're not doing it full time. So we also have to learn how to balance our time and to delegate things to other people who are skilled and competent in uh, helping people to assess where they're at. When we talk about the right of exorcism, it is a beautiful gift that the church has given us, but it's a very specific right. And just as the celebration of the mass is conducted by a priest, confession, the rite of exorcism, it needs to be done only by a priest and one who has been appointed by the bishop. Am I correct? Correct. And that goes back to the, the question of authority. The local bishop is the exorcist in his diocese by virtue of his Episcopal ordination. And then the bishop exercising his authority can delegate any priest to do an exorcism or he may appoint one or more of his priests to do this ministry on a stable basis. So in the Archdiocese of Indianapolis, I would be the point person for anyone who believes that they're dealing with the demonic. But again, it's always the, the authority of the bishop who is overseeing this particular ministry of the church. And there is a prescribed way of doing it, which is why there is a ritual that is used for this particular prayer of the church. Now, there are minor exorcisms in the church, as exampled in the rites of Christian initiation for adults. You will see where a parish priest can guide through the prayers and his prayers for his people, this renunciation of sin and Satan. As it's stated in that particular rite, it's a minor exorcism. But the actual rite of exorcism, that's where that parish priest identifying there might be something more here. That's when he contacts you. Exactly. That would, And that would be the ideal situation where somebody is being referred to me by their parish priest or even by the minister of their particular congregation, because more than half the people who contact me are not Catholic. They come from other Christian faith traditions, other world religions, or maybe no faith background whatsoever. But I always like to know, especially if they have some faith background already, that they've been in conversation with their particular minister. Because ultimately, if I work with somebody, they're going to need ongoing pastoral care. And that's going to be best received at their local congregation. Can we call it a potential danger at the very least when there are those out there who haven't been acknowledged by that authority in the church, someone who may feel that, oh, I have been given a gift to be able to cast out demons. And yet they haven't gone to their bishop. The bishop hasn't given them that authority through his office. 
that potential to be able to be deceptive or to actually cause harm in the long run, that's a reality you must have to deal with. It is because, you know, a minor exorcism, one would say, is a prayer directed to God who's asked to bring relief in the life of a person. And anyone, anyone could say one of those prayers because any of us can, you know, turn to God. But the church makes it very clear that a an imperative or a major exorcism, which is a command given to a demon, should only be done so by the priest authorized to do that by his bishop. Even Cardinal Rotzinger in the mid-1980s clarified that point when he was in charge of the Congregation of the Doctrine of the Faith, that people that are not authorized by their bishop should not be giving, giving commands to demons. Again, that should only be the priest authorized to do that ministry by the bishop, again, recognizing the importance of authority. If we start going rogue and doing whatever we want, acting independently of the church and the authority that Christ has given to the church, I believe that we give the devil the, devil the upper hand in those situations. It's important, I think, that we understand and appreciate that we've used the word several times now, authority, because ultimately the ultimate authority over the enemy is God. In this case, the Father who gives, I'm doing this for the listeners because you know it so well, that the Father gives the authority to the Son who gives it to the bishops, In this all scriptural. And then it is given to the bishops who commissions the priests. And that priest has been appointed by the bishop. When he speaks, because of that line of authority, that's where the power comes. Now you have control over that demon, that, that spirit. But if you're talking outside of authority, it's, if I go out and try to arrest somebody, but I don't have the authority, I just might get myself in deeper trouble. Correct. That's exactly right. And, you know, it would be important to state, too, that as an exorcist, I cannot operate outside of my own diocese unless I'm given authority or permission from the local bishop at other diocese. If I go and do an exorcism outside of my diocese, then I have no authority to do that. And so the demons wouldn't even have to pay attention to any commands that I would be giving. We'll continue our conversation in our next episode. With Father Vincent Lampert, we've gone inside the pages of Exorcism, the Battle Against Satan and His Demons. To learn more about this book or to obtain a copy, go to Emmaus Road Publishing, the website for its publisher, Emmaus Road, or you can find it at any fine Catholic bookstore. To hear and or to download this conversation along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com or you can find it within the Discerning Hearts free app. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission. And if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax deductible, to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about DiscerningHearts.com and join us next time for Inside the Pages, Insights from Today's Most Compelling Authors.